I invite you to Matthew chapter 20 as we continue our study through the gospel according to Matthew. And we're going to be looking at verses 17, 18, and 19, taking, uh, basically taking it section by section, verse by verse, word by word uh, through this glorious account of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. While you, when you find Matthew 20, if you would go ahead and mark uh, John chapter 10, uh, we'll look at verses 14 through 18 over in John chapter 10 while we're studying this passage together. So I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and if you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles in our vestibule here. We have Bibles over in our overflow, and we would love for you to pick up a Bible today as our gift to you. If you're able, would you please stand in honor of the reading of this portion of Scripture. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Thank you. Three times speaks volumes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, ask for the Lord to help us today. Father in heaven, we have, we've been able to gather together today. It's a wonderful thing. Such a blessing to be able to assemble, to be able to worship, Lord, as the New Testament directs us to worship, that we, when we gather, we, we sing, we pray, we open up the Word of God to be able to do those things today, there, there are believers around the world, and especially in, in, a, in a certain Southeast Asia country today that they simply cannot gather. And when they do, it's in small, very small numbers. It's in secret. So this is really a gift. This is really a, a privilege today. It's a wonderful thing. We've already been blessed. We've, we've declared your glory. We've, we've sung about the cross. We've, we've sung about the power of the Spirit, the power of the cross, the, the glorious gospel. We've had time to fellowship. We've, we've had time to study your word together in smaller groups in Sunday school. We've, we've already enjoyed the blessings of God today and the blessings of fellowship. And now we, we get to open your word and and we're, we're all united in Christ, and, and we're all looking at the same passage, and it's the same Spirit that's at work as we study your precious Word together. We're asking that you would guard us, Lord, that you would, that you would watch over us, that you would bless the one communicating, that, Lord, he would only communicate your truth. He would communicate it in a way that's appropriate, that 
faithfully conveys and communicates your word. That you would guard our hearing, you would guard our hearts, and Lord, you would make us open and receptive and hungry and humble as we walk by the cross one more time this morning. We've done so in song, and now we do so in sermon. And Father, there's, there's no way that we can take a look at the Son of God and, and not be moved, not be changed. So give us eyes to see past the familiarity. Give us eyes to see past, Lord, the indifference or past the just blindness, Father, of the, of the glory of the cross of Christ today. And may we leave worshiping you, honoring you, changed more and more into the likeness of Christ. It is our prayer. We need your help. In Christ's name, amen. Three times speaks volumes. So some things are worth repeating. Some things are just too important to, to be said only one time. You have to say it again. If you just say it one time, it might be unheard. It, it might be half heard. It, it might be ignored. It might be misunderstood. So there, there are some things that you want to make sure that they are heard and they are understood. They are just too important for them not to be communicated very clearly. We call that that it bears repeating. It bears repeating. Urgent matters. Tornado warnings. They bear repeating. You, you want to hear them over and over again because you want to make sure people hear, people receive, people understand. It's communicated clearly. Those kinds of things. On a less urgent scale, there are different things that require different urgent matters. But on a less urgent scale, Summer and I are now uh, joining with Talitha in the search for colleges. I mean, if you have been there or you are there now, or you will be there soon. And you walk away from those visits with just tons of information, right? And so I've asked Summer a number of times uh, after these visits, now what's that date? When was that due? When, when does that have to be turned in? Particularly, particularly, I'm interested in scholarship deadlines. That's what I want to know about. They're, they're, they are important enough that they bear repeating. You want to make sure that's clear. You want to have absolute clarity on some things. It only seems appropriate then when we're talking about the most important event in history. It's getting ready to take place that it bears repeating. Jesus told his disciples previously on, on two previous occasions actually about his suffering and his death and his resurrection. 
We've already studied those together. There's the first occasion was in Matthew chapter 16. The second occasion was in Matthew chapter 17. Now we come to Matthew chapter 20, and this is the third occasion that Jesus is telling his disciples why he's going to Jerusalem and what's going to happen when they arrive. So he tells them one more time. They need to have absolute clarity about the events that are about to unfold right before their eyes. And we know if something is important enough that you need to be told three times, that in and of itself speaks volumes about the importance of what is being discussed. If it's just something routine, if it's just something every day, you're not going to talk about it over and over again. You're expecting it. It's normal. But if it's different, if it's seismic, if it's epoch-making, if it's going to turn history, then you need to be clear about it and you talk about it. And so that's how critical and crucial is the matter of the cross. And Jesus has now spoken to it to his disciples three times. The closer they get to Jerusalem, the more he talks about it. So we're just going to make some observations today from this text. First of all, what this means for the disciples that Jesus has told them this three times now. Then we'll talk about what this means for Christ, for Jesus, since he's talked about this three times now. And then we'll wrap it up with our conclusion, what this means for us today, that Jesus talked about this three times now. So first of all, what this means for the disciples. Jesus being God in the flesh, he's, he's fully aware of all things. And he's, he's not only aware of what's getting ready to happen when they arrive in Jerusalem. But he also, he's also very aware of just how devastating that his suffering and death is going to be for his disciples. He understands that what they are about to experience and observe taking place with him is going to be absolutely earth-shattering for them. It's going to absolutely uproot them, tear down a lot of their notions, their presuppositions about him and about what should be happening that is, in fact, not happening. So they're going to be undone by this. And even though he has told them what is to happen, indeed what must happen, Jesus is aware that they are still going to just reel in confusion. They're going to be rocked off of any kind of stability he knows, in fact, that they're going to flee from him in the garden. When the soldiers come to arrest him, they're going to leave him. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows that Peter is going to deny him. And in a state of utter shock and fright, the remaining 11 disciples, after Judas hangs himself... They're going, to, they're going to hide out in fear for their own lives and just not knowing what to do next. 
So Jesus knows that the ones that he means to leave, now these are the ones that have been his close confidants for three years. He's been training them, teaching them, discipling them. He's getting ready to leave them with the mission because he's going to the Father. The very ones that he's going to leave with the mission to carry on the gospel, they will initially shelter in place and not go anywhere and not speak to anyone. And yet for all of this, all that Jesus knows is going to unfold. How they will flee, how they will be confused and frightened, how how they will hunker down and be full of fear, he still tells them one more time. There are at least two things that we can kind of imply from this. Jesus is emphatically preparing his disciples for what lies ahead. He's preparing them. He's not walking them into a scenario in which they will have no idea what's taking place. They will have no context. They will have no framework whatsoever. He's just walking them blindly into something that is just going to be completely confusing. No, in fact, he's equipping them. And in this way, Jesus is caring for his disciples He's not leaving them in the dark. He's not leaving them uninformed. He knows they'll be shocked. But he makes every effort to ensure they won't be surprised. They'll be shocked. They won't be surprised. In the midst of all their confusion, hiding out, they, they, will, they will at least be able to say, well, you know, it, it, we can't figure this out. It's not the way we wanted it to happen. We thought it would happen. But you, guess what? This is exactly what Jesus said would happen. Remember? And they have three occasions to remember. Jesus is equipping them. And so Jesus tells them plainly and clearly, not once, not twice, but three times. It bears repeating. And that speaks volumes regarding how the Lord leads his people, how the Lord readies his people, equips his people for the life of following him, being his disciple. Jesus not only proves his care for his For his disciples in this way, but when we make our way over to chapters 24 and 25, we'll see that Jesus actually prepares all of his disciples, including us today. Jesus not only tells these disciples what's getting ready to take place in the next few days, he tells all of his disciples what's going to take place in history. And in that way, he cares for all of us. He's preparing all of us. He's not leaving any of us in the dark or uninformed. 
He's caring for us, equipping us. He unfolds the future so that when we find ourselves living in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, we won't be able to say, oh, we never saw this coming. We we never thought about this. We, we, We never perceived this. But we'll be able to say, yeah, you know what? This is confusing. This is not what we wanted. We don't really like this. This is not the way we wanted things to happen in our world. But it's exactly what what our Lord and Savior said was going to happen. We may be shocked. We shouldn't be surprised. We find comfort then in Christ's control and ultimate victory in history. So he's caring for his disciples And he cares for us as his disciples today. The second thing we could say is Jesus is not only aware of the immediate response of the disciples. He's not only aware of how at first it's going to seem they're going to abandon the mission. He also knows that once he appears to them after he's dead... And then he appears to them risen from the dead. He knows then the light bulbs are going to go off and it's going to shine brighter than ever. Things are going to come into focus. They're going to see clearly the words of Jesus. Everything that he told them is going to come into sharp focus. They're going to get it. And they're going to absolutely believe it. With everything that's in them. All doubt, all confusion, all fear will be removed. And they'll pick up that baton that they've set aside. And with boldness and the filling of the Holy Spirit, they embark on a journey to take the gospel of Christ to the ends of the earth. He knows that as well. He knows that they will falter. But when he is risen and the Spirit comes, he knows they will not fail in the power of the Spirit by the grace of God. You see, Jesus not only sees where we are, he sees where we can be if we simply look to our risen Lord and rely on the power of the Spirit of God that dwells within us. You think about these disciples. When you look at the disciples throughout the gospel narratives, and we've seen a lot of them here in in our study of Matthew, they're not very impressive, are they? Jesus has to continue to remind them. Jesus has to continue to gently rebuke them. Jesus has to continue to go over things with them. They're not dependable. They often doubt. They're often very confused about who Jesus is and what he's doing right after they're very clear about who he is and what he's doing. So they're, they're very fragile. They're very frail. They're very up and down. Very fickle in their faith. But when you get to the book of Acts... It's said about these disciples, they are turning the world upside down with this message 
about Christ. Now, what happens in between? The resurrection and the coming of the Spirit of God. And they're different men. They're different men. In fact, these disciples will give their lives. They'll face torture. They'll face death. Because, why? Because Jesus is alive. And salvation is in his name and in his name only. Just think about it. Look down at your Bible. We are reading the gospel according to Matthew. Just think about that. We are reading in 2021 words that were written by the disciple of Jesus named Matthew. Now, he heard these words of Jesus three times, and yet, when it all happened, Matthew fled. He ran. He was scared, he was confused. He hid. He was frightened. But he was changed. By the risen Lord, he was changed. And he still preaches the gospel today through his gospel account to all who will listen, to all who will read. Matthew is preaching today. All who will read these precious words that through the carrying, carrying ministry of the Holy Spirit, Matthew wrote down for us. Jesus still calls disciples today. He's still calling people to follow him today, just like he called Matthew over 2,000 years ago. And disciples of Christ today still face very confusing times. As I said earlier in my prayer, some of, our, some of our friends, some of the people that we have supported in other countries are today fleeing and, and trying to find refuge and trying to find hiding places and trying to dodge bombs. So believers today, followers today, we still find ourselves in very, very confusing circumstances, very frightening circumstances. Many of us here in our own church family are dealing with cancer. That's a frightening circumstance. Disciples today still undergo situations and, and circumstances that are confusing and fearful. But the risen Christ and the power of God in the Spirit equips us and prepares us and still sends us into the harvest. The mission continues. It does not falter. It, it does not fail until it is complete and Christ returns. That's what it means for the disciples. He cares for them and he's going to use them in ways beyond they can't, they can't imagine when Jesus dies on the cross and they run into hiding, they can't imagine what's in store for them. And yet it's exactly what's in store for them. And the same is true for us today. You can't imagine what God has planned for you, how to use your life. 
how to use my life for his glory as we continue to look to him and trust in him. What that means for the disciples. Now let's talk for a few minutes what this means for Jesus. This is the third time Jesus has foretold his suffering, his death, and his resurrection to the disciples. So, so he has affirmed these events. So in other words, this is not guesswork for Jesus. He's not saying, I think this is a possibility here. We're, we're going into Jerusalem, and I don't know. Things may turn this way and turn that way, and, and, and this, might, this might happen, and, and we got to be ready in case this happens. No, Jesus has said now for three times now, he, he, he's affirmed that this is precisely what's going to happen. That speaks volumes to us today. In other words, Jesus is absolutely certain. No question, no caveat. He's absolutely certain of future events. They haven't happened yet. They're getting ready to happen. And he knows exactly that they're getting ready to happen. And it's the remarkable precision and accuracy and certainty that Jesus unfolds these events. So let's walk through these these, uh, events phrase by phrase in these verses together. Jesus takes these disciples aside. Here you see the caring for the disciples. He, he takes the disciples aside, and on the way, he says to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. And that's exactly, exactly what happens in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 57. It happens just like that. Then he goes on to say, they will condemn him to death. And that's exactly what happens in Matthew chapter 26, verse 66. Just exactly like that. Then he says, and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what happens in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 2. Just like that. And then he says, I will be mocked. And that's exactly what happens in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 29. And he says, I will be flogged. That's the whipping with the cat of nine tails. And that's exactly what happens in John chapter 19 verse 1. And then he says, I, the Son of Man, will be crucified. That means I'm going to die the most horrible death that you can imagine that is reserved for the harshest criminals on the face of the earth. And that's exactly what happens in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 35. But thanks be to God, it doesn't end there, does it? Jesus wanted the disciples to know the events to come will be horrific. They will be, in earthly terms, 
unjust. They will be brutal and they will be deadly. But it will not end in defeat. It will not end until there is victory. And so Jesus goes on to say, I will be raised on the third day. And that's exactly what happens in Matthew 28. Isn't that remarkable? I know for some of us, we've grown up in church. We've been in church all of our lives. We've heard this over and over again. But don't let it pass by you how absolutely stunning this is that for three times Jesus says this, 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 and this is going to happen. And it does that speaks volumes. It speaks volumes about the person of Christ. He is without a doubt the sovereign God of all creation. You see, he not only knows what's going to unfold, he is in complete control of the events that are going to unfold. If you haven't believed in Jesus yet, there should be no doubt or no denying now in our study of Matthew who he is. Trust him today. But this also speaks volumes not only about the person of Christ, but about the work of Christ. You see, his life wasn't taken from him, it was given. He gave his life. If Christ did not want this to happen and he knew exactly what was getting ready to happen, he would simply avoid going to Jerusalem. But he does the opposite. He doesn't avoid what he knows will happen, but rather faces it. Why? It wasn't because the chief priests and the scribes were in control. It's not because Pilate and the Roman soldiers were so overpowering that he had no choice. He came to Jerusalem on purpose, on mission, to suffer and die. Jesus avoided death on other occasions. You know, we've read those occasions. They, they meant to kill him, and he avoided death. He avoided the crowd at those times because it wasn't the time. He's God. He's in control. He sets the time. He sets the means. He sets the hour that he will lay down his life. He will lay down his life, give his life, willingly go to Jerusalem to save the people of God. Now let's look at John chapter 10, verses 14 through 18. Jesus' own words about his coming suffering, his willingness to suffer and why he's suffering, what he's going to accomplish. John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own knows me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. 
I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see, friends, Jesus did not die by force. He died by choice. He died for you so that in his death you might find life and life eternal. So in conclusion, what what does this mean for us today? We've already kind of hinted at it. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the good news. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus are not merely historical events. They are the means by which we are saved. When we trust in Christ and surrender our lives to him, the work that he accomplished in his suffering and death and resurrection is applied to our lives, to our account. So what does this mean for us today? It means everything. It means absolutely everything. It's enough to die for. It's enough to lose everything else for. This is everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, Paul sums up the gospel very succinctly in this way. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, so Paul says this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, Then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Paul says that's the gospel. He died for your sins. And he proved it in his resurrection. This is the precious gospel of Christ. It is the path of life and salvation and eternal hope. It bears Repeating over and over and over and over. Because what it means is this, friend. Come, every soul by sin oppressed. There is mercy. With the Lord. And he will surely give you rest. 
by trusting in his word. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you. Now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the cross. It is our hope. It is our forgiveness. It is our life. It is our justification. It is our eternal salvation. It is our new life. It is everything. It bears repeating to one another. It bears repeating to the world. And it demands a response. It demands a response. Will we trust in Christ? Will we give our lives to Christ? Will we be his disciples who died to set us free? Lord, would you so move in our lives today as believers that you would strengthen us and deepen our affection for Christ and our love of the gospel and our courage in the gospel that we could say with Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And that we would boldly and lovingly and faithfully declare the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if we are apart from Christ this morning, may, may you have, have shown us the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ and the path of salvation. And may we come, come, come to Christ today and never be the same. We ask all of it in his name and for his glory. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.